So question for us this morning, Vision Sunday, have you ever been around someone, met someone, and uh, they just always were speaking of opportunities, possibilities, um, the, the hopeful of everything, everything had enormous potential. You could walk up to them, tell them the sky is falling, the world is falling apart, and they're going to come back with a smile and tell you there's something good about to happen. Have you ever met anybody like that? Come on. Yeah, you've met, come on, I love being around those kind of people. I think you should be one of those people. I think Jesus was one of those people. But the question is, why are they like that? What causes a person to always see the future through a lens of hope? And the answer to that is one word. Guess what that word is? Boy, man, you are amazing. Vision. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need vision. Exactly. Why do you need vision? Glad you asked. Proverbs 29, verse 18. You're familiar with this. Where there is no vision... The people prosper. What does it say? The people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Now, the word perish is an interesting word. It means to loosen or to let go. Imagine flying with a pilot at 35,000 feet. You don't know anything about a plane. And all of a sudden, he decides, you know what? I don't want to fly anymore. And he just lets go of that stick. That's what the word perish means. It will just be a matter of time before you are no longer. It's, it's, imagine if you would do, be in a truck, a semi-truck, and the truck driver's driving down the, the freeway at alarming speed, 70 miles an hour, and he just takes and lets loose of the steering wheel. You can imagine what's about to happen in just a, a short amount of time. It, it's the same word, the word perish. If you do not have vision, you might as well just let go of your life. You, you might as well just live your life with this sense that I'm letting go, and whatever happens, happens like a sailboat in a wind with no anchor. You are just lost. Your engine's not running. You can't do anything. And you, whatever the wind, wherever it takes you is where you go. That's what the word perish means. And, and the Lord says, I do not want you to perish. You don't have to perish. You don't have to just go here or here, be double-minded and wishy-washy and, and live your life whatever way the current's going. You can live your life with purpose. And if you have vision in your life, you will be that person. How many here now know that you need vision. Raise your hand. You realize that? You need vision in your life. So what is vision? Let's define vision. Let me give you a couple definitions. The ability to plan the future with an imagination. I like that. I like this. The anticipation of that which is about to be. It's called foresight. The intuitive understanding or the insight of something. But here, write this down in your notes. The gift of seeing the invisible. Right. Come on now. Yeah. The gift or art of seeing the invisible. Yeah. That's what vision is, being able to take the binoculars of faith that God has given you and to see what other people perhaps cannot see. Because when you have vision, it gives you significance to an otherwise meaningless life on this earth. But when you have vision, there are times when much of what we do seems to appear um, just, just useless. You, know, you can just go through the motions of life. But, it, but when you have vision, the, the, the meaningless, it seems, motions of life actually have a context, a purpose. In World War II, as the United States was thrust into the war, 
Um, and we realized that um, we were no longer going to be safe from two oceans separating us, that what was happening in Europe and in the Pacific now was touching us and was going to touch us. And we were under the threat of losing our freedoms and liberties. When that time came, suddenly the America was thrown into the war and we weren't ready for a war. We weren't planning for a war, but we realized we needed to and we were behind the game. We didn't have enough battleships and air planes and tanks and all that was required. And so guess what? Everybody began to have a vision, a vision of, of keeping our freedoms and conquering the axis and the threats to our freedoms. And, and even the women, let me show you some pictures, even the women signed up for war. 350,000 women so, entered into the military, just the military. This is this is just factory where 350,000 military uh, women got involved in the fight. And then the women began to show up at these factories and they're making torpedoes and bombs and they're making uh, airplanes and, and they're, they're driving uh, uh, trucks and flying planes and all these kind of things. And, and, and why? Why did they do this? Why would they leave the comfort of their home? Why would they leave, you know, teaching the kids and, and, and doing things at home and in the community? Because they had what? They had a vision. They had a common context that there's something bigger out there. So making a torpedo or being, you know, a, a, a riveter, you know, in, into a plane had context of something bigger called a vision. And when you have vision, then you'll do things that you never thought you probably would do with such meaning. You have meaning for your life. They had vision. And the good news is when we take the minutiae of common ordinary days and drench it with what is called God called vision and stir it up, then suddenly we can see purpose and suddenly we can see meaning in life and suddenly we can have excitement and energy and direction and we throw ourselves into it and we're not worn out. We can do it day in and day out and we, we don't get tired. Why? Because there's something driving us called vision. It's like the difference of a person just filling up sandbags and not even know why he's doing it and another person filling up sandbags knowing that he is protecting the city from the hurricane. It's about eight hours from landfall. It's two different mindsets. You can, both people doing the same thing, but one person's just doing it because they have to do it or felt like the, someone told them to do it, but the other person is doing it because they realize that what they're doing has a purpose bigger than themselves. And if you have vision, that's the way you live your life. Your life isn't meaningless, and the stuff that you're going through isn't just a minutia of, of life. It's stuff that actually matters and has meaning and pertinence. And so when you get involved in small groups and when you get involved in the local church, what you begin to realize is, is that you are now a major player in something a lot, lot bigger than you are. And that together, we are making a huge difference. You've heard me say it, I'll keep saying it forever, that if a church were to close down, if some church were to close down, lock our doors, walk away, say closed, not, not, no longer in existence, and the community was not crying, and the officials and leaders of our community were not begging us to come back, then we as a church failed being the church that God called us to be. Come on. Listen, whenever any salt touches anything, it affects whatever it touches. And when the local church is being the local church, when it's the, becoming the church that God has called it to be, then everybody around is lifted up. Everyone's affected on all multiple levels, on all fronts. 
in every sphere of our society, government and, and, and education and science and entertainment and sports, everything is affected by the local church, by you putting your hand to the vision. How many here want some vision? Come on. Vision, I have found, leaks. Have you ever had a radiator leak? Just like a little pinhole. Drives you crazy. Every other day you're filling your radiator with, with more water. And, and, and you're like, this little leak is driving me nuts. It's affecting my life. What I found that vision is having a radiator with a hole in it, and it just happens. Vision is always leaking. I can, we can talk about vision today, and about three months from now, four months from now, probably most everybody here is going to forget about the vision. Because life has a way of just trying to somehow remove from us the bigger picture. So I want to just remind us this morning of, of, the, of the power of vision and, that, and how to keep vision in the forefront of our life. About 350 years ago, there was a group of people that traveled 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean and founded a little community in the northeast part of the United States. In the first year of arriving here on the soils of this new land, they went to work and planted a little community. They built their homes. They built a little place where they could gather together in the community as a whole. And then the second year, they got together and they created a local government and elected officials. The third year, the local officials voted to take the few little tax dollars that they had of the community and build a road five miles into the wilderness, into the interior of what would now be called the United States. Year four, the community came together to impeach the leaders that they had elected because they felt they were wasting, the leaders were wasting their money building a road five miles into the wilderness from some place that they didn't need to go. So what's interesting to me, the same people that had a vision to, found a, to, to establish a city in a whole other country, risked their life, traveled 3,000 miles across an ocean, in four years became the same people that didn't have enough vision to see five miles down the road. And so what I'm saying is the church has to have always a vision in front of us. We must always be pushing forward. It's not good enough to know where we've come from and all the wonderful people and the saints and the patriarchs and matriarchs that have established the, the things that we have now. We got to push the ball forward down the field because with clear vision of what we can become in Christ, no ocean of difficulty is too great for us, the church. Helen Keller, you may have remembered her, the young girl who was born blind and deaf and dumb, a sweet, precious young lady who grew up to be very famous and would become educated and an intelligent speaker and a great thinker. She was asked one time, what would be worse than being born blind, Mrs. Keller? And she responded, the only thing worse than being born blind is having sight without a vision. You can see and still be blind. Or you can be blind 
and see. It all depends on the goggles that you're looking through. So I want to give you real quickly three ways that vision will impact your life. How does vision impact my life? Number one, vision from God will always be a challenge to my ability. It will always challenge your ability. If you ever feel like you can do something, then it probably isn't something that God's given you the vision for. Because the visions that God gives us always has the seed of impossibility rooted inside of it. It was Moses that was approached by the Lord in a burning bush and was challenged to go back into Egypt where he had left 40 years ago and and bring the people, the Hebrew nation, three million in fact, out of that land and into the very place where he was standing right there. And he thought to himself, I can't. Why, what? I'm a, I'm a nobody in the backside of a desert leading some sheep. What? Is, and here's what he says. God, I can't. I can't. God comes with a vision. He says, I can't. God says, why can't you? He said, because. Because I, 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 I stutter. And God goes, well, find you an interpreter. Go on anyway. So he drags Aaron and he goes, okay, I guess we're going to go. Listen, whatever vision God gives you, it will be wrapped with this sense uh, that I don't have the ability to do. That's why it's called vision. Number two, vision will ask of you more than you can give. It will ask of you more than you can give. Abraham had wanted forever to have a child. He wanted to have a baby that would some way birth a nation because God had given him that promise. And so God finally gives him a child, Isaac, and he has this child and, and he's so excited. And then what does God do? God comes and says, now I want you to give that son back to me. God, whoa, 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 God, I, I don't know if I, I mean, thank you. I know I couldn't have ever had a child without you, but now that I have this gift called life. I don't think I can give this back to you. God will always ask you for more than what you think you can give. If you think you can give it, then there's probably not vision. It's beyond that. The Bible says it's never, not, not even entered the heart of man. The eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for you. If you can see it, if you can even think it, if you can even somehow get a grasp of it, then it's beyond that. I mean, if you think you can pull this thing off, then that's not God. It's something beyond that. That's vision. And that's what we live in. That's what we strive to have. And thirdly, vision will carry with it a sense of deep conviction that this must be accomplished. This has to happen. It was in the book of Matthew, a woman, she was a Canaanite woman. She comes to Jesus. She'd heard of Jesus doing all these miracles. She comes to Jesus. She goes, Jesus, my daughter is demon-possessed. And I cannot stand to watch my daughter tortured like this by spiritual forces at work. And Jesus' response is, I'm, I'm sorry to hear of that. I, I can't help you. What? What, what, you, what do you mean you can't help me? I, you say, Listen, my, my mission isn't for, 
for the Canaanites or, you know, the Medianites or Amorites or anybody else. My, my mission is for the house of Israel, the, the Jewish people. That's God sent me to the Jewish people. And he, goes, he said, I can't cast my bread before dogs. That's what he said. And her response was, all right. But even dogs eat the crumbs from the child's table. I don't ask for the whole loaf. I'm not asking for a meal. I'm just asking Jesus for a crumb. And I'm not leaving you alone. You got this sense. The implication of the whole story was that this woman is following Jesus around and she is not going to let go until she gets what he had inside of him. Come on, I'm telling you that there, your, your vision carries with it this deep sense of conviction that this thing has to be accomplished. It must be accomplished. God has birthed this. God has spoken. God has declared. God has showed me. And so I'm going to go forward, and I, I know what you may say. I may not even see any God doing anything, but I know the character of God. I'm going to lean into God's character. I'm not even going to lean into his words. I'm not going to even lean into what people say. They're hearing God say about this situation for me. I'm going to lean into what God is and who he is and I'm going to carry vision into this thing until I see it happen. Come on somebody. It's more than looking on the bright side of things. Vision is looking on God's side of things. We're not talking about man's vision, we're talking about God's vision for your life, your family, this community, this nation and this world. Colossians 3.2 Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Catherine Logan quotes, she said, vision is the art of seeing things that are just absolutely invisible. I love that. So you would say, well, what's, what's Summit Church's vision? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. And I hope you ask that all the time. We're currently in the process of making some some, 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 some graphics and things to put up on the wall to constantly remind you of the vision. But our vision is threefold. It's to know God, to grow in our faith, and to make impact. That's all we are about. We want to know God, we want to grow in our faith, and we want to make impact. And we believe there's four ways we can, we're going to do that, and we are doing it. One of the ways we're going to know God is by this, weekend services. There'll be a time where we may be doing Saturday night services as well as Sunday mornings. There may be a time quickly where we're doing two services on a Sunday morning. Do you all appreciate those bumpers, those parking bumpers back there? Uh, do you see that? I want to give a shout out to Hoods this morning. I, call, I called up Hoods and said, man, would you be, we would love for, for you all to donate some parking, concrete par parking bumpers. And they said, well, how many you need? And I said, uh, 350, 375, done. What? Done. And Hoods donated all those bumpers. Isn't that cool? I'm like, what? I want to give them some time, then I'm going to call them again. We'll just see where this thing goes. But just play this thing out. This is how God works. God is so cool. I mean, and so I know we have a gravel parking lot, and y'all have been so 
patient. We're going to asphalt it at some time. We're saving up money. It takes money. Uh, but, but so, uh, you know, we realized that, you know, we probably could do, you know, we need to do a better job with our, so, so in our parking. So, so we have this couple we went Christmas caroling with. Have I told you this story? Have I told you this story? I haven't told you. So we went Christmas caroling and knocked on the door seeing Christmas carols. They came to church the next Sunday, made this their home, came to me a couple weeks ago, said, hey, I noticed that, you know, it looks like you could use some stripes and stuff on your parking. I said, absolutely. They said, what? That's what we do for a living for our, we've done our whole life. Can we, can we for free just stripe the parking lot, I'm like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's amazing how God always provides what you need right in the time that you need it. So, so to, to know God, we, we, weekend services, this is what we do. We, we believe that to know God, you know, we need to bring them in an environment where they can know God, where they can sense God's presence. And so this is what Sunday mornings is about, is fishing. We go fish on Sunday morning for the unsaved, the unchurched, and the lost. And so, so they can, too, know God the way you know God. Number two, the way we fulfill our vision of, uh, of growing in our faith is what we've just heard about, the small groups. So vital to growing in our faith. And journey class as well. It was, some of you are new here, and you're like, well, what's the next step for me? What can I do to get involved? And what's, what's Summit all about? It's called, oh, we'll let you know. It's three classes on a Sunday morning in that room with all the glass right there where you walked in the lobby, you saw it. It's that room right there. And after every Sunday morning service, three, first three Sundays of every month, we have a class. We're going to tell you a little bit about the vision of Summit Church, and we're going to take a little assessment and find out your personality and find out your gift sets, and then we're going to sh share with you where in the body of Christ would you would probably best fit for your gift that God's given you, and we're going to launch you and empower you into the calling that God has put in your life. That's called the journey class, and if you haven't gone through the journey class, you need to go into that thing, because this is going to unlock a lot of good things in your life. Don't be a fan. Don't be one of them Alabama spectators that's all painted up, uh, but not willing to get on the field and put a helmet on and put some shoulder pads on and get his hands all dirty and start tackling somebody. Come on, somebody. We need some players up in the house. We need some players up in the house. Turn your neighbor and say, you're a player. Tell, tell them, you're a player. Come on, put your jersey on. Which leads us to the fourth thing. How are we going to make impact? And that is through our dream team. We had an appreciation dinner for our dream team last night, just thanking them so much. We could not do what we do without the dream team. We need you to be on the dream team. There's a place for you. And, there, and what is the dream team? It's all the opportunities on a Sunday morning, but it's also all of our outreach opportunities that we have. And we have multiple outreach opportunities. It's laying your life down for somebody else. That's what it is. It's what the Bible calls what we're all to do to invest in the kingdom of God. God says, if you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. So it's, it's really simple, right? Just take care of God's business. What's God's business? This is it. This is, he died, Jesus died with the church in his heart and in his vision, with the joy set before him. He saw the body of Christ. He laid his life down for the church. And if you are called a person that loves and wants to serve the Lord, then this is where you do it. Right here in the body of Christ, the church, the local church. So let me quickly, so we can finish and wind this up. Where have we been? Summit in the past, this past year. Where, what, what, what's been going on? Some of you may know, some of you may not. 
We launched an online ministry in the county jail. We already shared that with you. It's the only form of ministry presently really taking place. There's a gentleman I just met this morning uh, here. He said, JP, uh, I was in the county jail at one point, and I want you to know I watched those services every week religiously, and I can't tell you thank you enough for speaking into our lives in the county jail. Thank you. We love you guys. If you're watching, we love you. Thank you so much. And so we did that, and that's going well. We launched Celebrate Recovery. We told you a little bit about that. And, and uh, you know, it's really having an impact in this area. There's really not a Celebrate Recovery in this area. And it really plays into the wheelhouse of those that are suffering with hurts and addictions. And we, we started an app and getting that off the ground. I, 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 you can go that. Some of you may not even know we have an app. You need to download that app on your phone. And then you can watch all the services. You can share it with your friends. You can see what's going on the current events, have it right there on your phone. We also uh, held our first Crossing the Freedom Conference. I shared that with you a few minutes ago here in this house, and it's going to be the first of many. So excited about the 168 people coming and just being absorbed in the presence of God and seeing healing take place in their life. We started a a small group for the fire department this past year, and uh, every Sunday morning at 7.30, Johnny Walker and myself were there, and we're ministering to our fire department. That's really paying off great dividends. We launched our first micro campus last year into the Pirates Cove RV Park. They're there even now. They're right now ministering at the RV Park. Come on, give it up for Jesus. You go, well, how, how do you all think of stuff like that? I don't know. It just, you, know, you just think outside the box, right? They need Jesus, and they're, they're comfortable in their little RV park, so we take Jesus to them. And what I'm finding is we got RV parks coming up like you know, crazy around here, so I could see you know, 10, 15 micro campuses right here around Foley. That would be fun. Yeah, why not? And... Um, and of course, Operation Christmas Child this past year, we were believing for 1,000 boxes and we got 1,200 boxes that you sent out into the world. And I'll just say this, that the Baldwin County collectively amongst the churches, we collected 15,000 boxes, led the state of Alabama in the amount of boxes sent throughout the world. So kudos to Baldwin County for that and all the other churches. Summit now, where are we at now? Where are we at this very moment? What's going on at this present time? Well, I, I was asking the Lord, God, give me a word for this year. And, you know, I was like thinking for like, you know, a, a big word, a good word, you know, some kind of a great word, you know. And, and all the Lord told me was enlargement. And I'm like, you know, that seems like a common, I don't know, enlargement. God, is there another word up there for <laughs> and, and just stick with the word, son. Just stick with that word. And that, that's, that's our word for you. And, and so I, I find that word, that specific, specific word, enlarge in the book of First Chronicles, Four, which the prayer of Jabez, where he's he, his name literally means pain. His mother named him Pain. How would you like that for a name, right? Come here, Pain. You know, I mean, I what? And and he grew up being called Pain. It's a nickname as a kid. Nick Pain. You know, you're just a pain in the. You know, you're just a pain and. And so one day he's praying, he's crying out to God, and he says, "Oh God, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory." And let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. I don't want to be known as pain anymore. I want to be known for something bigger than that. So enlarge me, God. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my vision. 
Enlarge my reach. Enlarge my influence. Enlarge my platform. Let me be somebody that has an impact in the earth. I don't want to be known as someone that's always a pain. I want to be rid of that. I don't want to be known as that. I want to be someone that's a blessing. And so when you want to desire to be a blessing, you're going you're gonna to have enlargement come to your life. And so what are we doing right now that's that? Well, let me just say this to you. We had our first ever above and beyond offering on Christmas Eve. We've never done that. It felt like, you know, we're always, you know, you know we collect money for us and it's always, you know, what's going on and things like that. And we give very generously to the world and missions and things like that. But I said, well, let's just, let's just do a big offering for, for just projects going on you know, two in the world and one right here. And so I presented that to you and y'all prayed about it and we came together for our Christmas Eve service. What a wonderful Christmas Eve service we had. And we collected, our goal was, I'll just tell you what our goal was, was to build five classrooms in the Guatemala for the Alpha and Omega school, Christian school up in the mountains through Judy Hernandez, who's a missionary, who's been there for years and years and years. And the goal was uh, 21,000. Can I tell you that we collected 30,000? Come on. And then I share with you that we wanted to build a transition house in Moldova, in the capital of the Moldova, for those girls that had been sex trafficked, had been brought out of that industry and were receiving recovery. And we wanted to build a transition house so they could go from their program and transition back into a normal life as a victor and not a victim. And so the challenge, and they were going to, they're, they're going to call it the Summit House, and the, and the, and the need was 25000 and you gave 33000 Come on. Y'all are amazing. You're amazing. And then when I share with you the goal for Foley, that we want to have Operation Love Kids, where we're going to, we, in next summer in July, we're going to give away tennis shoes and backpacks and school supplies and free haircuts and all that kind of stuff. We're going to give brand new tennis shoes straight out of the brand new shoe box. And we, we presented that to you. It's going to cost us for 300 students from Bon Secure and Foley Elementary. It's going to cost us $49,000. Uh, and you all gave $48,000. How many know that's a big, big win? That's amazing. We continue to support our missionaries in Germany, in Guatemala, in Scotland, in the Philippines, in Cuba. Since we're going to be doing this uh, next couple of weeks, we're going to be sending money to Global Action, which translates um, a Bible course, a foundational Bible course for pastors in third world countries because what we found is a lot of pastors, they come to know Jesus, but they, they have no Bible theology or schooling at all. And so they're teaching all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, you know, we, Global Action, I'm on the executive board of Global Action, and what we do is we, we just try to supply pastors with this just Bible 101, Bible 201 uh, for them so they can understand the, you know, the Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, life of Christ, and teach with, you know, proper um, theology and, and make the church healthy in these third world countries. And so we're going to be giving and sending um, $10,000 to um, Global Action 
faction who will be translating their materials, the foundational truths teachings into the language of Bengali, which is in Bangladesh, which has 230 Muslims in it. And we're going to be now translating the the message of Jesus Christ in a really profound way into a, a, a land full of 230 million Muslims. And we'll be doing that. This happened in just a couple weeks. Yeah. So continuing to fund CUMI, which is the Christian counseling arm of this community through Jan Hicks and her team, incredible counseling ministry. We continue to fund that, continue to fund um, Big Fish and, and uh, help them as well. And Big Fish is uh, the director, Isaac Stukesbury. Hey, 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 if you've been blessed, if you've been touched by Big Fish, would you just stand uh, somehow? So would you just stand all across the room? Look at all the people who've been touched by Big Fish. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Isaac, are you there? Where's Pastor Isaac? Where's Pastor Isaac? Pastor Isaac's right, right over there. Stand up. Pastor Isaac's the director of Big Fish. I love this guy. What an amazing guy. His wife, Raina. And y'all don't know this, but he's just been nominated and elected as president of the Alabama Association of Christian Recovery Ministries. Come on, he's like the big shot. Yeah. So y'all can get Isaac's uh, autograph because he's famous now. He's famous. And in fact, I'll tell you what, Big Fish Ministries has probably the greatest recovery program that's, you know, doing the, the work with and seeing the results that they're seeing of any program I've ever seen in my life. And so we're grateful for that. We're continuing to work with them. Trail, we mentioned Trail Life that we're launching, like the Boy Scout type thing. Um, and and, and uh, we're starting a thing called Fish and Mission, which is um, teaching um, kids that are in the Sheriff's Boys Home and the uh, Baldwin County Crisis Center how to go out in a real boat with some real boat captains and deckhands and how to fish. And we're going to mentor them and talk to them and show them what it means to be like a, mm, a man of God, you know, through, through have some boat time. Come on. And we're going to do that. That's starting up. And, uh, and lastly, we're, we're going to start, our dream is to start an internship um, hopefully this summer for our young people that are uh, towards the end of high school and begin to train them to be mighty warriors before they go into college and prepare them in that period of time and just do some great things. Yeah, that we're looking at that. I'm going to have our worship team come. Our worship team comes. We get ready to close down. But here, here's, here's what I was in my heart. I, here's, a, here's a great question. I, I was just kind of rolling all this stuff around, and, and these two words came to my mind. What if... I said, man, see, I, I begin to think about that, what if? If you can just, this is the best part. This is the meat of the message. So if you can just kind of hold tight for a little bit, I appreciate that. So what if, what if, what if? I begin to think of all the people that ask themselves, what if? Think about the people like Abraham. What if God really did want me to start a nation? What? That's crazy. What about Caleb? What if God really does want to give me a mountain? People like Joshua, what if God really does want to give us a nation, our own land, our own properties? People like Esther, what if God really wants to use me in this very moment, this very hour to save an entire nation from genocide? 
the people like Jonathan, what if God really would give us this uh, victory of beating this army up on top of that plateau there? What if God was really in this? What about the stories of David? What if God really is with me and I defeat this giant called Goliath? Uh, What about people like Hannah? What if God really does give me a son? And Peter, what if God really wants me to preach to the Gentiles and into the world? The three Hebrews, what if God really will spare us from the fiery furnace? What about Joseph? What if God really has used what my brothers wanted to do against me to be my blessing and to elevate me to the second most powerful position in the world in Egypt? If you will ever ask yourself, what if? It'll be amazing what God will show you. You have to ask yourself, what if? What if? What if? It was Mordecai that came to Esther and said to her, what if? Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. What if? What if God wants to do something mighty and miraculous in your life and through your life to save the world, to save a nation? What if God really has his hand upon Summit Church? And if we're a two and a half year old church, we've been miraculously dug up out of the soil and somehow, some way, God's favor is upon us uh, and God's hand is upon us uh, and God's anointing is upon us uh, and he wants to see us go forward and do great exploits uh, in the earth. What if, uh, what if, just ask yourself, what if? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, just what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if, what if God really is with us? What if God is really with us? What if God is really with us? What would I dream if I truly believed God was with me? What would I believe for for my family if I truly believed that he was for me? What would I believe for my community? What would I want to see God do with my own eyes, with the breath that I still have left on this earth? What if God's hand is upon me? So I dreamed. I said, God, give me some what ifs. I'm not saying it's gonna happen tomorrow. I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen this year. But I just let my mind go. What if? And so the Lord kind of gave me a few downloads. You wanna hear them? Okay? Give me three minutes. Four, five. Oh, quickly launch another campus. Yeah? Hey, listen, I really wasn't, I really wasn't, a, I wasn't a parent until I had a kid. I would, I, I, when we had Hannah, when we had our first child, I felt like I'd entered into a grown-up world. Oh, I was married and everything, but once I became a parent, oh, I'm grown up now. We're really grown up when we have another child. What if? What if we establish wholeness rooms? What do you mean? we got people messed up and in crises all the time in their body, in their soul, their spirit. 
And we had trained counselors and intercessors. And we opened up our facility every Saturday morning from 8 to 12. And they make appointments with us. And they come in, they sit in a room with two or three powerful intercessors. And they share with them their need, whether it be physical, emotional, physical, I mean, uh, uh, spiritual. And our, our intercessors who know how to pray in faith begin to place their hand upon them like it did in the Bible. And we begin to see miracles and, and powerful things begin to happen. And the person walks out whole because God came in and did something miraculous in their life. What if, what if, just asking the question, or what if we established a hope center? And this is already in the talks. I've been talking with 15 other pastors in our local area. Will we bring all of our gifts and all of our desires and dreams under one roof, one building? And whatever the community needs, anyone in the community needs, that the church together, represented in a place called the Hope Center, will come and they can get food or they can get uh, clothing or they can get um, a, a GED, they can get computer classes, uh, they can get dental work, they can get a doctor's visit, everything right there in one place and all the churches working together. What if? Well, that's gonna happen, I'm telling you, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. What if Roe versus Wade is actually overturned? Well, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna have a bunch of babies around here. And you're gonna have some mothers that didn't wanna have that baby. But God wants that baby and we want that baby. So we're gonna need a home for those babies. I said, we're gonna need a home for those babies. And lastly, what if we had a school of breakthrough? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I don't know about your Bible. My Bible says in John 14, 12, Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do when I go to be with my Father. I mean, people follow Jesus all over, all over creation because he was creating breakthroughs in people's lives wherever he went. What if we had a school where we had trained teachers who knew how to train someone to make breakthroughs in the spirit dimension? And for two nights a week, they would come together and they would learn what it means to be a true son of God. Not adopted son, not an orphan spear, but uh, yeah, an adopted son, but not some orphan spear, but a, a true son of God where they understand what that means. And, and then we train them and we, we increase their faith and grow in faith. And then we launch them into the world and we see them going about just like Jesus and saying, hey, listen, man, I don't know you, but I have this impression, man, that I need to come talk to you. Can we just talk? You, you okay? You're, how's your back? I feel like your back. You got something in your back? Yeah. You, can, can I just pray with you about your back? Oh, yeah, oh, let's just pray. And, and, oh, how's your back now? Oh, you're healed? Oh, how about that? How, that's what God does. Oh, God bless you, man. Have a great day. How about that kind of living? Breakthrough school. Come on, somebody. Yeah. What if? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. 
you're here this morning. Vision Sunday, we're thankful that you came. And you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We have some prayer teams that are making their way right now to coming up here and they're going to stand. And they're going to be here after we dismiss. If you don't know Jesus, today is your day to know Jesus. One prayer away from your life being dramatically changed. And secondly, I want to say a prayer for us this morning. Because I believe there's some people here that you need vision again. That your vision bucket has leaked a little bit in your own personal life. Maybe you need God to do something miraculous in your marriage. There are marriages here that have been miraculously saved. You need a son, a doctor to come back to Christ. Don't you stop praying for that son and that daughter. Maybe you're here and you feel like there's something in your business, your finances. I need a breakthrough. I need, I need vision. Maybe you're just, just going through the motions of life and you realize, I just need God to breathe fresh vision into my life. Today, that's, that's you. That's, that's all of us. So would you just join with me and lift your hands unto the Lord, just like, like, Lord, like, like a little child to his daddy. Father, we, we look to you this morning and we ask you to fill our hearts with vision. We don't want to perish. We don't want to let go. We don't want to be a people that just wander and flounder through life. We want vision. We want vision for our personal life, for our families, and vision for our community. We want you to flood, Lord God. We're asking you this morning to flood our lives with vision. Not our vision, not someone else's vision for us, not our parents' vision for us, not a teacher's vision for us, but your vision for us. God, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come supernaturally and divinely and impart vision. Wake us up in the middle of the night. Cause us to begin to write down on tablets. Uh, This is what the Lord is doing. This is what the Lord is calling me to. Cause our young people not to be like so many young people who go off to college and get two majors, three majors, can't figure out changing their majors all the time. Father, cause us to be a people that know where we're going, knows what they're doing, and seeking after you with all their heart. Fill us with your vision today. Can you say amen, church? Amen and amen. Come on, God bless you. Give God some praise this morning. Let's love the Lord. Let's leave this place with vision. In Jesus' name.